0: Good morning. Did you enjoy those baptisms? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you have a swimming pool? Raise your hand. Just like to know where I'm going to go today after church. We've got, we've got a picture of one of our small groups doing baptism. And uh, I think it's Pete Noctegall baptizing. I think his name is Jason. Do we have that photo? Can we throw it up there? There, there you go. Um, there's a holy place right there. Right there. See, there's the kingdom of God coming down to earth right there. See, you don't have to come to church to be baptized. You don't have to come to church to get saved. It's quiet here today. You don't have to come to church to get healed, delivered, changed. Transformation is happening in the backyards of your neighbor's swimming pool. That's the neighbor's swimming pool, by the way. They don't know Jesus, but they said, hey, sure, you can do a baptism in our pool. I love that. We're here to celebrate transformed lives today. Uh, If you know our our mission statement and why we exist, say it with me. We exist to lead all people from all backgrounds to real transformation in Christ. So the question I want to begin with today is where does transformation begin? Where does it begin? This is an important question because some of you today couldn't celebrate with us uh, like we were celebrating, because there there's still this place in your life that has not been touched, that has not been transformed by the power of Jesus. There's an area in your life that that maybe you're you're still in bondage to an addiction, or you're still overwhelmed with temptation every day and you're not winning, right? Or maybe your your marriage is broken. How many of you know God wants to transform marriages? Maybe your body is broken. Right? You've not seen the change there that you're believing God for. Maybe your, your emotions are a wreck, you're depressed, you're suicidal. Maybe you're even being tormented by evil spirits. See, it's so important for us to talk today about where transformation begins. You've got to begin where God begins when it comes to transformation. And to know where transformation begins, we have to go back to, to Jesus. Isn't it funny how everything kind of goes back to Jesus. We got to go back to Jesus and we got to go to the teachings of Jesus and explore what was the essence of Jesus's teachings. A professor named Dr. Gordon Fee, he asked a group of 40 college students back in the 1970s Wheaton College, he asked 40 college students, he said, if you could summarize the essence of Jesus's teachings in three words or less, what would you say? Three of the 40 students gave the correct answer. Most of the students said the essence of Jesus' teachings was love. Love. Do you know how many times love is mentioned in the first three Gospels in the New Testament? Three times. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The word love is mentioned three times. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor, and love your enemies. Three times. Three of those 40 students, they nailed it. The essence of Jesus's teaching is kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Over 200 times, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in the Gospels. The kingdom of God is the essence of Jesus's teaching. So this is a big, big deal this morning. Jesus, he preached the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom with with powerful signs and wonders. He illustrated the kingdom through parables, right? And then he passed the kingdom baton to his disciples. And he said, now you, I want you to preach this gospel of the kingdom. So if you want to understand why Jesus came, you have to understand kingdom. And and bigger this morning is if you want to understand where transformation begins... You have to understand kingdom. I would propose to you this this morning. And this is a big speak. Okay. If you have not experienced transformation. You have not experienced kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God as Nicholas said earlier. Didn't he preach that transition really well? The kingdom of God is God's rule and God's reign. The kingdom of God is is God's rule and God's reign in your life. The kingdom of God is not a place, it's not a realm, it's not up there in heaven somewhere that we're going to experience someday. No, the kingdom of God is wherever the king is ruling and reigning. So the kingdom of God can be fully present right here today and fully present in your life. But if you're not experiencing transformation, it's because you have not experienced kingdom You've not experienced the rule, the full rule and reign of God in your life. And I believe that's why you're here this morning. It's because you're here this morning to experience God's kingdom. And at the end of the service, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to experience his kingdom, to experience his rule and his reign and his, and his authority in your life. And if you're not saved here today and Jesus is not ruling and reigning in your heart, you're going to have the opportunity to bend your knee and submit to the rule and reign of Jesus Christ and watch the, the transformation process begin to happen. Some of you are here today and there's areas of your life that um, that are stubborn. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They're stubborn. There's places of addiction and places of temptation There's broken places in your life, there's sinful places in your life, and there's tough, stubborn places. And I'm going to give you the opportunity at the end of the service to bring that part, that area of your life under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And when you do and you stop fighting God and you start submitting to God, you will find transformation. So, Holy Spirit, show each one of us while we're preaching today, show each one of us what area of our life we are still in control of. And help us, God, to submit those areas to you in Jesus name. Amen. Before we go into, um, into the rest of the message, I want to I build your faith this morning. I want to build your faith. We can't receive anything from God. We can't receive his kingdom, rule and reign without faith, without expectation. So I want to build your faith this morning. I want to I want to tell you some stories and I want to point you to the scripture and talk about what this kingdom of God is all about. Okay. so what is the kingdom of God? We've talked about that a little bit. It's God's rule. It's God's reign. God's kingdom or God's rule and his reign actually comes to us in in two different phases. The first phase is when Jesus first came to the earth. And the second phase of God's kingdom is when he comes again. How many of you glad Jesus is coming again? All right. When he came the first time, right? Born in a manger, grew up, miracles, died on the cross, rose from the grave. When he came the first time, he he defeated sin, Satan, and death. When he comes the second time, he's going to destroy them. Okay. The first time he defeated sin, Satan, and death. Defeat means he rendered them powerless. He rendered them powerless. Let's look at that scripture once again. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 15. The first time Jesus came, he, he, he defeated the enemy. Having disarmed, he said, Satan, drop your weapon. He disarmed Satan. Disarmed the powers and the authorities. And he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them By the cross. The cross is Christ's first coming. When he came the first time he defeated the enemy. He rendered the enemy powerless. How many of you know the enemy has power, but he does not have all power. And he has no power over a believer who has submitted to the authority of Christ. He's been defeated. He can't kick you around like a like a tin can. When I was a kid, we used to play that game, kick the can, right? Satan plays it today with a lot of believers, but he has no authority to do that because he's been disarmed. The second time that Jesus comes back, the second coming we refer to, he's going to come and he's going to destroy all the works of the enemy. Let's look at this next verse. It's found in 1 John, verse 3 eight. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That word destroy means to completely do away with. All right. So somebody say defeated. Defeated. Destroyed. Destroyed. All right. The first phase of the coming of the kingdom, Jesus defeats the enemy. The second time he comes, he's going to totally obliterate him. Totally, completely destroy him and throwing into throwing him into the uh, the fire, the eternal lake of fire. So Jesus came the first time to defeat the works of Satan. He's coming the second time to destroy them. And church, we are living in this church age. We are living between the defeat of Satan and the destruction of Satan. We're living in between the defeat of sin in our lives and the total destruction, destroying of sin. We're living in this in-between state. The kingdom is a is a so the kingdom is a um, uh, a present reality, but it's also a future reality. And let me say it this way: the kingdom has come, and the kingdom is yet to come. So there's this interesting tension between the already of the kingdom and the not yet of the kingdom. And a lot of you experience in that tension every day. How many of you say amen to that? So we know that Satan has been defeated, but in our lives, we don't always live like he's a defeated foe. And we know one day he's going to be totally destroyed. So we live in the in-between, and there's this tension between the already of the kingdom and the not yet of the kingdom. And a good way to illustrate this is uh, World War II. Somebody here maybe is a World War II buff. You love World War II. You love you love history. Uh, how many of you remember history back in high school? I know that for some of you, that was a long, long time ago. You love history, right? You love history. Ever heard of D-Day? D-Day. When was D-Day? June 6th, I'm hearing it, 1944. That was D-Day. What happened on D-Day? The Normandy Beach invasion. Massive. The Allied forces in, in five massive armies... They invaded Normandy Beach and they, they took over Normandy Beach. And they established this, this beachhead that day, right, on the mainland of Europe. It was a big, big day. They planted the allied flags on that day, the allied troops did, and they said, this is our turf. This is our turf. It's like the football game last night if you watched the Ohio State game. Thank you, Clyde. That's for you. You owe me money after class. So, right? If you watch the very, very end of the game, it was that first down that sealed the deal. Once they hit that first down, the last seconds of the game, the game was over, right? That's what happened on D-Day. They secured this beachhead. They secured first down. And at that point, everybody knew what the outcome of the war would be. 20 hours of fighting that day, five beachheads had been established and they were established in such a way that day that there was never a question in anyone's mind of the outcome of the war. It was the beginning of the end of the Nazi regime, and that was D-Day. And that's why we remember it so well. The next major, major event in World War Two was V-Day, Victory in Europe Day. And it happened 11 months after D-Day. Never was there a question that V-Day was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. More American lives were lost between D-Day and V-Day than all the other years of the war combined. But there was never a question about how the war was going to turn out. There wasn't a question if more people were going to die. There was never a question if there were still battles to be fought. There was never a question that Victory Day was coming. The question was not If it was coming, but when it was coming. And that's exactly how the New Testament understands the kingdom of God. Let me explain it like this. The first coming of Jesus was like D-Day. God planted his flag on enemy turf. And he said, this is my planet. Planet Earth is my planet. I claim it in the name of the cross. And through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was going to be a V-Day that was coming someday. And it would consume what had already been started. And our entire existence as believers is lived in the certainty of the future because of what has happened in the past. There is never a question of how it's going to turn out. There is simply the question of when. So. The kingdom of God comes in phases. It came in this first phase of Jesus's first coming, and it's going to be completed in his second coming. And now we live in the in-between of the kingdom. And God has called us as the church to bring the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of earth, to bring the rule and reign of Jesus into every sphere of influence, into every part of our lives. Let me ask this question. Why did Jesus need to bring the kingdom of God? Let me just big picture again. Why the kingdom? Why did he need to bring the rule and reign of Jesus? Two reasons. There was two rebellions that took place. There was a rebellion that took place in the eternal kingdom. And there was a rebellion that took place in the earthly kingdom. You know what I'm talking about? The rebellion that took place in the heavenly kingdom was Satan. Satan wanted to rule and reign, right? Right. There's that rebellion in the eternal kingdom. There was a rebellion in the earthly kingdom that took place, right? Who wanted to rule and reign? Mankind, Adam and Eve wanted to rule and reign. So for God to the answer to those two, those two problems, right, was God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to rule and reign. I'm going to rule and I'm going to redeem my people. I'm going to rule, I'm going to destroy the work of the devil, and I'm going to redeem for myself a people. I'm going to purchase my people back. And God's strategy to to rule and to redeem, God's strategy came through a promise. How many of you know God makes promises and God keeps promises? And God made a promise to a man named Abram. We call him Abraham. And this is the promise that God made to Abram. He said this. In Genesis chapter 12, verse one, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land. I will show you. Watch what God promises he's going to do. This is amazing. He says, I will make you into a great nation. Can you imagine God showing up to you? Right. And saying, I'm going to make you into a nation. I'm going to make you into a nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So God's solution is, I'm going to make some promises here. In fact, five times God repeats this promise to Abraham in his lifetime. You know what that tells me? We're good forgetters. Uh, we need to be reminded of the promises of God. I mean, that's a big speak God made there. A big promise. Five times God comes back to Abraham and reminds him again and again and again and again and again about this promise. And And it helps me understand this. When God makes a promise, it's not a contract. A contract is there's an agreement between two parties. If you do your part and then I'll do my part. Right? So Both parties do their part. Everything works out. God does not set up a contract with Abraham. He sets up a covenant with Abraham. And he actually removes Abraham from the covenant. And he makes the covenant promise with himself. Because he knew that Abraham would fail. So he makes a promise. God, the Trinity, they make this promise. We're going to do something. We're going to to do it through Abraham. He's not going to have anything really to do with it. Except just believe that the promise is going to happen. And God says, it's not about you. Church, you need to hear this this morning, okay? God is not impressed with your promises. He doesn't need your promises, right? He doesn't go, oh, I'm so glad that Clyde made this promise to me. You know, the kingdom of God comes through his promises, not our promises. It comes through his promises, He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a blessing. And what was the blessing that God would bring through Abraham? The ultimate blessing that God would bring? Jesus. Jesus would come through his lineage. Jesus comes. Now, let's fast forward. Let's fast forward a few hundred years. Abraham's descendants, they become this, this amazing nation of people. They move to Egypt because of a famine. They become slaves in Egypt, right? And then what happens? God sets them free free uh, through—excuse me, free through all these judgments of plagues. God sets them free, and then they um, are—they're ruled by judges and they're ruled by kings. They're guided by prophets. That's the Old Testament. Right, And then there's this huge span of time, 400 years between Malachi and the book of Matthew, 400 years of silence. God is not speaking for 400 years. The prophets have nothing to say. There's no prophets to say anything. Right For 400 years, they're, they're waiting for this promised Messiah, Jesus. They're waiting and they're expecting and they're anticipating him to come and to set up his kingdom once again. 400 years of waiting, 400 years of silence. And then this wild man named John the Baptist shows up on the scene after 400 years. And he begins to preach a message. And can you guess what message he preaches? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, repent because God's rule and his reign is at hand. Here it comes. Get ready. And then Jesus enters the scene and he grows up and he starts to preach and he's preaching something. What is he preaching? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Whoo. Something's happening. Something big. Jesus continues to preach, but something begins to happen after he's preaching about this kingdom, this rule and this reign of God. Watch what happens. Matthew chapter four, verse twenty three. The Bible says that Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and the people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases are you diseased today? Those suffering from severe pain, do you have any pain today? The demon possessed, are you here today? Those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. This is incredible, right? 400 years, nothing's going on. Then all of a sudden, Jesus is preaching about the kingdom of God and stuff starts happening. What happened as he preached this good news of the kingdom? People with pain and people with demons, people with seizures, people with all kinds of problems were experiencing something. What were they experiencing? The kingdom of God. They're experiencing the kingdom of God. They were experiencing in their bodies and in their minds. What it's like when God's kingdom is his reign and his rule invades their life. Invades their space. All heaven was breaking loose. This is what it looks like when Jesus reigns. Man, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I need some. I need some Jesus ruling and reigning in my life today. Darrell Culver, he's one of our members here at Glad Tidings. And recently he was diagnosed with a bowel blockage. Somebody say, ooh, ooh. He was admitted to the hospital. He was actually in the hospital all week. He couldn't eat anything. And and day three, while he's in the hospital, he awakes at 4 a.m. in the morning. And he wrote this to me. He said, I was awakened by the Lord and my intestines were growling. And I passed some gas. And I felt like the Lord said to me, you're healed. The next day they did a barium x-ray and the doctor came in and said, whatever was there is gone now. (laughs) This is what it looks like when God rules and God reigns. And can I just say, I'm glad the kingdom came for Daryl that day at 4 a.m., but I'm glad I wasn't there. Some of those private experiences with God are meant to be private. <laughs> Daryl, thanks for being so vulnerable and transparent with us this morning. More gas to you. I mean, power to you. <laughs> Claudio, he's a member of our congregation. Uh, Claudio is a, um, a nuclear engineer at the power plant. He's got some brains, right? And uh, he's also uh, he also interprets our messages here into Chinese. And uh, this past week, he was in Taiwan, and he had sent me an email just updating me what's going on. And he was invited to preach three services at this church. And they were going so well, they said, let's do a fourth service today. Can I say if that happens, please don't do that to me. Don't do that to me, okay? (laughs) Four services. Listen, 60 people get saved. Nuclear engineer. Preaching what? The kingdom of God is at hand. God's rule and his reign is here. 60 people get saved. He gives an altar call. He says, man, if you need a touch from God, come down to this altar. It was packed. And he's going through and he's laying hands. What's he doing? He's imparting the kingdom. He's imparting the rule and reign. When you lay hands on the sick, you're saying, God, you rule and reign in this body. In Jesus name. He's praying. He's praying. And he comes to this one guy and he's praying. And and uh, Claudio says he something happened. He's never felt before. He said it was like this, this electrical. This electrical sensation was passing through his shoulder, down his arm, through his fingertips into this man. Boom, he falls to the ground and God just he said, I don't even know what he did, but I know something happened. What was happening? God's rule and reign was coming to that man. At the end of the sermon in one of the service, there was a man in the doorway and he shouted out. He says, while you were preaching, God healed me. I was paralyzed in my left arm and God totally healed me. Perhaps that's what that that sensation. What is that? That's what it looks like when God's rule and God's reign comes into a situation. How many of you believe the kingdom of God is here today? Again, God's kingdom is wherever Jesus rules and reigns. It's not a realm. It's not an atmosphere. It's his rule. It's where he's in charge and where he's boss. Let's see, where were we? Jesus, then he begins to preach some of the greatest sermon uh, in the world. And, uh, And it's all about the kingdom. And he says, he says, you have heard that it was said. Do not commit adultery, but I tell you. And then he says this. He says, you have heard that it was said. eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I tell you. Again, he says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What is this? You have heard that it was said, but I tell you, what is that all about? Back in ancient times, when a king would take over a country, he would move into that country and he would establish new law and order. He would come in and say, you have heard that it was said But I, the new king, I say to you, Jesus was coming and he was he was establishing his authority. He was establishing his kingdom. He's saying the old kingdom, the kingdom of this world looks like this. You say this. I say this. It's a totally different kingdom. He was establishing that day on the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying a new king is in town. And it's a total takeover. Following his sermon, he does more demonstrating of the kingdom. He heals this Roman centurion, uh, this Roman centurion's servant, rather. Uh, This is not the king that they expected. If he was interested in overthrowing Roman oppression, he would not heal a Roman. He would do that. He would not not heal a Roman citizen. But he was proving that day that he didn't come to deliver the people from the power of Rome. He came to deliver the people from the power of Satan. Here's what we have to understand, those of you who are red-blooded Americans. The kingdom of God coming to America has nothing to do with what party controls the Senate, the House of Representatives, or the White House. Don't put your hope in that kingdom. Jesus established his kingdom in the midst of Roman oppression. He didn't have to overthrow the Roman Empire to rule. He didn't have to win the popular vote or the electoral vote to rule. Why? Because Jesus's kingdom is not of this world. And that's why I don't get nervous about elections. And you shouldn't either. Because God will bring his rule and his reign no matter who sits in authority. God will use authority, bad authority, good authority. God can use it to bring about. He will bring about his rule and reign, and it will look totally different than the kingdoms of this world. Now, that was free. Let's get back to the notes. God continues to demonstrate the kingdom through Jesus. Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. How many of you glad God cares about the small things? I oh, don't bother God with that. It's just a fever. No, He drove out spirits with a word and he healed all the sick. He rebuked the wind and the waves. And the disciples said, who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. What kind of authority does this guy have? Who is this? Then he cast devils into pigs. Sorry, pigs. Then he crossed the line. Hey, by the way, bacon. Let's just pause here and just thank God for bacon. Can we do that? God, thank you for bacon. Thank you that you declared that all food is clean. Okay, let's keep moving. Um, That was free to then he crossed the line and God did something. He forgave sins. Now, keep in mind here, he is he is he is saying this is what my kingdom looks like. When I come to rule and reign, look out, pigs. When I come to rule and reign, look out, sinners. And he begins to heal sinners. And the teachers of the day said, This is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus, is like, You're getting it now. You're getting it. Yeah? He says, Which is easier for God to say, Your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? See, he's establishing his authority. This is what it looks like when Jesus rules and reigns. Then he crosses the line again and he does something that that he nor any rabbi had ever done. And instead of hanging out with his rabbi peers, he starts eating with sinners. And he says, this is what it looks like when the kingdom comes. The church starts eating with sinners. Who are you having lunch with today? My family, sinners. And that night the house was full, the booze were flowing, because that's what sinners do, right? And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with sinners? And Jesus replied, it's not the healthy that need the doctor, but it's the sick. I've not come to call the, the righteous, but the unrighteous to repentance. And that day, Matthew, the sinner, became Matthew, the follower of Jesus. That's what it looks like when the kingdom comes. I'm here to announce to you this morning that the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign is here. What are you going to do about it? You can't make Jesus Lord, make him Lord of your. No, you can't. He's already Lord. What are you going to do about it? You don't make him Lord. You submit to his Lordship. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to kick? you going to fight. you going to scream. He's still Lord. Or Are you going to submit to his rulership, his, his reign and allow him to transform your life? Some of you are holding on. You're fighting in areas of your life. You haven't given Jesus complete control. And you're scratching your head and going, why Why is this part of my life never transformed? Because you're still in control. You're still trying to fix it. You haven't surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. The place where transformation begins is when you bend the knee and submit that part of your life or your whole life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We have a a team, we call them the evangelism team. You're all part of it, you just don't know it. And they go out on Fridays and Saturdays and they pray before they go out. And one day they prayed and they said, God, blow on the harvest fields, blow on the harvest fields. blow them toward us today, prepare them. They went out that day, they said it was the easiest day of evangelism they've ever had. That weekend, let me look at my notes, I want to get the number right, 23 souls were born into the kingdom that day. Through our evangelism team. 23 souls. That didn't happen right here. Oh, bring them in so they can get saved. Bring them in so they can. You got to come to Glad Tidings Church. What if Glad Tidings Church went to them? What if the kingdom went to them? The kingdom is not right here. It's not a location. The kingdom is wherever Jesus rules and reigns. You take them to work with you. Surprise. And you can bring his rule and his authority to work. Somebody's sick, somebody's depressed. Bring it. Bring it. I've got good news for you. Jesus rules and reigns over sickness. Let's pray right now. This evangelism team, they, uh, they, uh, they, they met a gal who was talking about her homosexuality. And they write, a homosexual girl returned to us for a second time, inquiring fearfully whether God still loved her. We were able to tell her the truth about her state, and she repented. She turned from her sins. Transformation begins where Jesus rules and reigns. Mary Forrester, one of the uh, elderly ladies in our congregation, she owed over $2,000 on her condo. She could not pay the rent They threatened to come in and take whatever they could and sell it. Um, Mary had a representative from the Eastern Nebraska Office of Aging come to visit her. Uh, And while they were visiting, Mary said nothing about her need. She didn't ask for money. She just mentioned what was going on. Three days later, this representative called Mary back and said, You know what? Uh, uh, I've requested that $500 be given to help you pay the loan." And she was thankful for that. But the next day, this woman called back and said, never mind. They said that they would pay the whole amount, all $2,000. It's taken care of. And Mary writes this. I don't know who gave the money, but God was in control. How many of you know transformation happens when God is in control, when you give him reign of your life? One sister here at Glad Tidings she was prayed for by our healing team at one of the burns this year. Uh, burn is not a night where we burn people uh, or hurt people uh, just so you the burn is a night of prayer. Okay, it's for people whose hearts burn for God. And so we're praying that God would would send revival And there. And she shows up and she has this hip problem. She's had it for years. She can hardly get out of bed in the morning. Some of you can identify with this. God's going to heal you today. She went for a walk. She couldn't even make it home from the walk. It hurt so bad that night. She went to the burn meeting and uh, some members prayed for her. And one of the gals on the prayer team while she was praying stopped and said this. She said, have you been injured? Have you fallen? And uh, this woman said, no, I've not fallen. So they continued to pray. And after they prayed several times, the pain, she said, miraculously went to almost nothing. Watch this. After sitting down, she said, two things happened. I had the sensation of soaking in warm oil. Warm oil. Man, this is so weird because I have I have prayed, oh, God, if I could just take a bath and just warm oil and how I many, you know, you just you want God to just just your body. And so this warm oil right from her waist down to her feet. The other revelation she had was that that a movie began to play in her mind of a scene from nearly 20 years ago. It was the memory of being knocked off my feet several times by my then husband, injuring my lower back, my hips, and my tailbone. I had never made the connection between that moment and the ongoing pain of all these years. She writes, what I experienced was not only physical healing, but also the specific attention of the father who compassionately saw where I needed healing and why. And he touched me. My need was not hidden from him. Can I tell you, church, transformation begins where Jesus rules and reigns. He can take care of those physical wounds. He can take care of those emotional wounds that you're feeling today. God rules and reigns. And we're going to wrap up here today and give you time to respond. I said this earlier, I will say it again. If you're not experiencing transformation Transformation is when we begin to look like Christ, not in his physical appearance, but in the way we think. We begin to think like Christ, feel like Christ, do like Christ. If you're not experiencing that kind of transformation, you are not experiencing kingdom. If you are not experiencing God's rule and God's reign, then someone or something else is ruling and reigning in that place in your life, and it's not God. You see, we are here this morning, and... We're not here to improve the quality of your life. We're not here so you can walk out feeling better. We're not here to teach you how to live long and prosper. (laughs) We're not here so you can experience the good life. We exist to lead all people to the rule and the reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to lead people to the kingdom of God. To experience his rule and his authority in every area of their life. peter's first message the apostle peter after jesus left his first message was basically this there is a king and he rules and it would be good for you to submit to that rule the bible is not about a president and a democracy the bible is about a king and a kingdom if you don't like a president you can vote him out of power right but kings, they're not voted into power and they can't be voted out of power. Listen, you didn't vote Jesus into power and you can't vote him out. The king is here today. What are you going to do about it? Maybe you're here and you realize that you are living in rebellion. You're living in rebellion to God's rule and God's reign. You are the one ruling and reigning. You're in charge. You haven't surrendered your life to him. You have not submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And before he can save you, before he can rescue you from sin and the penalty of sin, you have to submit yourself to his lordship. Transformation is really God's part. He's the one that transforms us. Our part's pretty simple. It's it's submitting to him and believing that he's going to keep his promise. And you're here today and you've, you've, you're living in rebellion to God. I want you to know I've got some good news for you. You can be saved. I want you to see this verse. It's a simple verse found in Romans chapter 10 and verse number nine. And it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Say that with me, everybody. Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. If you declare with your mouth, how many of you know that's not that hard to do, but it's much more than just something you're saying. It's a relinquishing control of your own life. You're no longer Lord. He is Lord. And you're believing in your heart. I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment here, but there's another group of us that I want to speak to. And it's those of you who are, are born again, you are disciples of Christ. And I believe God would want you to know this this morning. He's saying to you, seek first the kingdom, seek first the kingdom, seek first the rule and reign of Jesus in every part of your life. And then all these things will be added to you. Some of you today, you need to know this. You need to bring the kingdom of God into every part. Seek first his rule and his reign in every part in your life. I prayed earlier that God would reveal what that is. What areas need his rule and reign. And here's what I'm going to do. Two groups of people we're talking to. Those who are, who are not saved and those who are saved. And in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to stand who knows that there's an area of their life or their whole life that they need to surrender to the lordship of christ maybe it's your marriage maybe it's your career your finances maybe it's an area of temptation you're not willing to submit to his lordship in maybe it's your internet usage and you're like god i don't want to give you control over that i like my control whatever it might be maybe it's a stubborn something in your life it's an addiction You're saying, Jesus, I want to declare that you're Lord over this area of my life. I want to declare, God, that you're Lord over my family. We're going to stand and we're going to pray together. So if that's you on the count of three and you're ready to declare in some area of your life or your whole life, Jesus is Lord, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to pray. One, two, three. Stand to your feet. We're going to submit to the Lordship of Christ today. Let's put that scripture up there one more time. Romans 10, verse 9. God, we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. I want you to lift your hands if you're standing. Lift your hands and surrender. Some of you are surrendering your life for the first time to the Lordship of Christ. If that's you, I want you to confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Just begin to confess. Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. If you're born again, you're a disciple of Christ. There's an area of your life. I want you to think on that area for just a moment and begin to declare Jesus. You are Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. God, we ask that you would forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of trying to rule and reign. Forgive us of trying to take control. Forgive us of trying to fix it on our own. Forgive us for trying to promise our way to transformation. God, we're here to receive your promises. God, we submit to the Lordship right now of Jesus Christ. God, only you can bring about change. Only you can save. Only you can heal. God, we declare you are Lord in our bodies today. We declare you are you are Lord in our career today. God, you are Lord over our future today. You are Lord of our finances today. God, you are Lord of our thoughts today. God, you're Lord of our eating habits today. God, you're Lord of all in Jesus. name, In Jesus name. We bend the knee to the Lordship of Christ. Rule and reign. Rule and reign. Bring about transformation. Oh God, in Jesus name, we confess you are Lord. You are Lord in this place. Every demon has to flee right now. Every demonic influence has to flee in Jesus name. Every addiction has to bend its knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You have no authority. You have no authority. Speak to that addiction. You have no authority. You have no authority. authority. You're defeated in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Now let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. God, we thank you. Woo. Come on. Let out a shout. Let out a shout of praise to God today. Jesus is Lord. You are Lord. God, help us as your people to bring your kingdom. To bring your kingdom to every sphere of influence in our lives. God, may we be looking for opportunities to, to bring your rule and your reign into this city, into our, into our homes. God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come at this time. If you would like prayer, man, we're here to pray the kingdom. We're here to bless you. Listen, if you raised your hands today and you surrendered to the Lordship of Christ for the first time, or maybe you have fallen away and you're coming back, I want you to let one of our prayer workers know. They have some information that's going to help you and bless you. Somebody say, Jesus is Lord.